Praise the Lord. Thank you for standing. Y'all can be seated. We're going to get our Bibles close and get into our lesson today. And we're going into part two of our series that we're calling uh, Walls. I know that's profound, um, but we were looking last time at the, the walls of Jericho, and we talked about how uh, this was a, a promise that was really hundreds of years in the making, but at least 42 years in the making if you count the wandering in the wilderness. And we were talking about overcoming things that are obstacles in our lives, overcoming barriers and things that keep us from the promises of God, things that keep us from the will of God. And I'm going to give you a quick insight into where we're going to go, the direction we're going to go with this series, and, and we're only going to take maybe one or two more lessons after this one. But I want to look specifically when we get done with this lesson and contrast the walls of Jericho with the wall that surrounded the city of Jerusalem and the, specifically the story of Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. How many remember the story of Nehemiah when he repaired the breaches, he repaired the walls? And so really, we're going to contrast a, a look between walls that God wants us to tear down, everyone say tear down, and walls that God wants us to rebuild, and walls that God wants us to have in our lives. And so we're actually going to morph into a look at holiness and things that God cares about and things that God wants us to destroy. And when it comes to walls or barriers or things that keep things out, you know, walls can either keep things out or they can keep things in. Walls can either keep you out from a place that you need to be, or they can protect you from things that you don't want in your life. How many understand that? And that really is a symbolic, metaphorical look at what holiness does in our lives. There are things that we need to destroy because they keep us from where we need to be in God, and there are things that we need to rebuild because they keep evil from our lives. And that really is what standards, and I know for some people standards have become a dirty word. Standards are not a dirty word. Uh, tradition is not a dirty word. Holiness is not a dirty word. They are words that God cares about, and they are words that define walls in our lives. And for some people, they desperately need to rebuild walls that God wants in their lives. And some people view the walls that God wants in your life, they view them as constrictive or restrictive. They view them as prison-like, but that isn't the way God wants you to view good walls. God wants you to view good walls as things that are protecting you from the onslaught of the enemy. However, there many times the reason that people are confusing these things is because there are walls that have been constructed by the enemy that are keeping you from where you need to be. 
And so learning to decide which walls need to be torn down and which walls need to be repaired is a vital part of your spiritual life and your relationship with God. And so we're going to be looking at that. But first, today, we're going to finish, uh, if we can, I'm going to move as quickly as possible, our look at walls that need to be torn down. Look at the person beside you, if you can, and say, walls that need to be destroyed. Walls that need to be destroyed. And, uh, and these are barriers that the enemy has placed. The first thing that you need to determine, I'm jumping ahead in my lesson here, but I think it's okay. The first thing that you need to determine when you're looking at a wall, an obstacle, a barrier in your life, and you're deciding whether or not you should tear it down or repair it. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm being a little metaphorical here. But when you're looking at that, the first thing you need to decide is, did, did God ordain this wall in my life? Did God ordain this standard? Did God put this here to be a protection to me? Or did the enemy construct this to keep me from where God wants me to be? If you determine that God put the wall in your life, you better not touch it. A lot of people tearing down walls, they have no business tearing down. And that's why they're open to every attack of the devil. Holiness is a spiritual protection. Standards are a protection that keep you from the onslaught of the enemy. And so if you casually tear down a wall that God placed in your life, you're in serious spiritual trouble. But if you determine that this is a wall that the enemy has placed in your life to keep you from the promises of God, then you better tear it down and you better keep it torn down. And so that's what we're looking at today. And so uh, I believe he's got the, he's about to put a slide up. Hopefully we don't have any technical trouble. And, uh, and so I want to, in case they can't get this the way that, that we want it to be, I want to take you to Joshua chapter 5. If you have your Bible, Joshua chapter 5, verse number 10. And uh, in our last lesson, we were coming to the point where Joshua was about to go into the city. And he was about to uh, take Jericho. He, had, he was about to receive the promise from God. Joshua 5 and 10. I'm reading from the New Living briefly. Uh, let me see where they are here. Can you go back one more slide? Is that possible? We're not quite, quite there. All right. They might be out of order a little bit, but uh, I'm on Joshua 5 and 10. And here's what it says. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. Now, verse 12 is important. It says, no manna, everyone said, no manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land. I'm going to say that again. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. It was never seen again, referring to the manna. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. They received their sustenance from the promised land. They received their sustenance from the land that God had promised them. How many remember that they received manna from heaven, supernatural manna that came from heaven? Every morning it came, uh, God would send it. And the people were sustained in the wilderness from 
manna. And at this point, when they had crossed the River Jordan and they were just about to uh, take Jericho, which was the first obstacle. Jericho was the first obstacle between God's people and the land of Cain and the land of promise. And when they crossed over, they kept the Passover. And at that point, God no longer provided them manna from heaven. And here is a spiritual truth that I want us to learn from this story. God will not subsidize our wandering once it is time to take responsibility for the promise. Let me say that again. God will not subsidize our wandering once it is time to take responsibility for the promise. Once God gives you the command to go to a place, it might seem difficult. There might be walls that are blocking you from where God wants you to go. There might be giants. There might be enemies that are fearful. There might be things that seem impossible. But once God tells you it's time to go into the promise, God is no longer going to subsidize your wandering. And so oftentimes we get addicted to the manna. We get addicted to what God is providing for us in the wilderness. We get addicted to what God is doing for us when we're wandering. But there does come a moment, and I'm, I'm teaching somebody right now. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. There comes a moment when God says, I'm not going to give you that man any longer. It's time for you to step into the promise that I've given you. It's time for you to take responsibility and go to the place that I've prepared for you. And that will now sustain you when you step into the promise. And that takes courage. It takes courage because sometimes, sometimes we become comfortable in the place that we should not be comfortable. Sometimes we become familiar with the wilderness. We become familiar with the provision that God gives us in the place that we shouldn't have had to stay in the first place. And that's why we sometimes see Christians who they become comfortable in dysfunction. Hello. They become comfortable in places that they should not be comfortable. And so God is speaking to them and he's telling them, listen, I want you to go into the promise. I want you to become stronger. I want you to be victorious. I want you to have my favor. I want to give you blessings. I want to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm not just preaching prosperity here, although God can bless us. But sometimes you're going to have to be willing to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to cross over the Jordan. That's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to march around walls of Jericho. That's going to take faith. I'm going to shout with a voice of triumph. That's going to be awkward. But, Lord, I am not content to just wander around in the wilderness and get manna. Lord, I want to go into the land flowing with milk and honey. Somebody needs to get that in your spirit today, that it's time for you to go deeper in your relationship with God where you're living off more than just manna, but now you're living off the provision that God wanted you to have in the first place. And so this is what God did for them. There does come a place where God says, all right, it's time for you to do it. I've been, I've been providing. I've been subsidizing. But now you're going to have to go where I'm telling you to go. And eventually, if you refuse to listen to the voice of God, not only will you not have the manna, but you also won't have the promise.
because God is not going to subsidize forever. In his grace, in his mercy, he will. But once you have hardened yourself to the voice of God and you have left a place of obedience to God, there will be a point where the manna will no longer come and you also won't have the milk and honey. How many want to go deeper in your relationship with God? How many want to step into promises of God? There's always going to be walls. There's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be fearsome things. But you have to have faith in God. Everyone said faith. You have to have faith in God. Okay, I'll take you to the next slide. I believe it's where we were a moment ago. Now we're coming to the place where Joshua, remember Joshua has now replaced Moses as the, uh, the leader, the patriarch, the spiritual leader, the prophet, also the military leader of the people of God. Joshua 5 and 13, he has an angelic visitation. I apologize. I just realized I spelled that wrong. An angelic visitation and confirmation. Everyone said confirmation. Sometimes we need a confirmation from God. Sometimes we need a confirmation. And by the way, let me just pause because we're, we're kind of talking spiritually and we're also talking literally. Before you tear down a wall, now, how many understand I'm, I'm transitioning to talking metaphorically about holiness right now? Everybody okay? Can we go a little deep here? Before you tear down a wall, you better get a confirmation from God. And you better make sure it's not just your carnal flesh talking to you. Well, I don't think I need to live that way anymore. I know grandpa did. I know bishop did. I know pastor does that. You know, but I think I could tear down that wall. You better make sure you get a confirmation from God and not just the pizza you ate last night. And you better not go into battle. I'm talking about a real battle. I'm talking about a spiritual battle. You better make sure that you've got God on your side. Because there are battles that you cannot win by yourself. There are strongholds that you cannot tear down by yourself. You know, I know that we, we, uh, we talk a lot about how weak the devil is. And, and compared to God, Satan has no authority, has no power. Demons tremble at the mention of the name of Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. You better not play with the devil if God's not on your side. We get a little spiritually arrogant sometimes and, and you know, we, we kind of, we, we thumb our nose at the devil like, like he doesn't have any authority. I'm going to tell you something. He's got more authority than you do. If you don't have God on your side, you're going to lose. I don't care how loud you shout on Sunday. I don't care how high you dance on Sunday. If you don't have God on your side... And you go into battle with the devil, you are going to lose that fight. And so you better get a confirmation. And so Joshua received this, uh, Joshua 5 and 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Everyone said, by Jericho. He's looking at the walls. He can see them. That he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us? Or for our adversaries. So at this point, Joshua is not sure if, uh, if this is an enemy or if he's a friend. 
He didn't realize, obviously, that this was an angel at this point. By the way, I, wanna, I just want to get a mental picture of what's happening here. Joshua's by Jericho. He's looking at the walls. And as he's looking at the obstacle, God sends an angel. Isn't that powerful? You know, if you'll trust in the Lord, you can be looking at your obstacle and God will send you a confirmation. Verse 14, and he said, nay, but as captain of the hosts of the Lord, am I now come? How many? Well, I don't want to get into that, but I'm going to tell you, if you've ever, if you've ever had an angelic encounter, it'll change your life. If you ever come into contact with an angel of the Lord, it will literally change your life. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, loose thy shoe from off thy foot. For the place whereon thou standest is holy. This harkens back to Moses when he was by the burning bush. And God said, take your sandals off because the place where you're standing is holy ground. And Joshua did so. And I'm skipping. Uh, well, we're not skipping, but we're going to chapter 6. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. So Jericho was in a fearful place. Uh, they, they realized that there was a battle coming. And so they had... They had shut the city. They had closed the gates. They were on alert. They were on a military standby. And none went out and none came in. No one was allowed to come. No one was allowed to go. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And so God was pointing out to Joshua something that the spies had not understood. Remember, the spies said, We'd be like grasshoppers in our own sight. Uh, we don't have any power. We're not going to be able to take this land. And God opened up Joshua's eyes and said, I want you to look past the walls and I want you to look past the armies and I want you to look past the fearful things. And I want you to notice that Jericho is more afraid of you than you are of them. If you have God on your side, hell is more afraid of you than you are of hell. And I'm not saying the walls aren't scary, but I'll tell you, if you've got the power of the Holy Ghost operating in your life, demons begin to tremble. And you can look past the walls and you can see they're not coming, they're not going. They're on military alert because they know that once God gives you the word, he's going to tear their kingdom down. He's going to tear the obstacles down. He's going to give you breakthrough and power and authority and victory and strength. Amen. And so Joshua looked past the walls and he saw that the city was afraid. Jericho, that mighty city of valor, those warriors, they were terrified of the children of God. And the angel of the Lord gave him a confirmation. The captain of the host said, you are going to take this city because God is on your side. How many believe that God is going to give you victory today? How many believe that God is on your side? How many are trying to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord? And so even though it seemed like the walls just wouldn't fall, God gave them a confirmation it's going to come down. Okay, I'll take you to the next slide. Now here, here we, we're very familiar with this part of the story. Um, and I want to give you the four things that, that God told them to do. Four things that God told them to do, take, to take the city and to see the walls fall. Number one, God told them to march silently. Everyone said silently around the walls. One time a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day. Absolutely no talking. Look at your neighbor and say, absolutely no talking. I've preached this before, but I wanted to kind of quiet down and say it again. I believe there's a reason, and we looked at it 
last time, I believe there's a reason that God did not want them to talk as they walked around the city. It was talking that kept them from the victory 42 years ago. It was talking that the 10 spies used to instill fear in the hearts of the entire nation of Israel, would-be nation of Israel. It was talking that got them in so much trouble and kept them wandering in the wilderness for another 40 years. It was talking. It was faithlessness. It was gossip. It was fearfulness. And so talking, now I'm just, all right, I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway. Talking will mess you up. You know, it's, it's our conversation that gets us in more trouble than just about anything. You know, it's just, it's, it's using our voice, it's using our words in a way that is displeasing to God that will keep us from more promises than just about anything else. Did you know your conversation will keep you from more blessings than the devil could ever do? I'm not preaching name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, but I am telling you that your voice, your words used in faithfulness, faithlessness, used in a way that is displeasing to God will keep you from the promise and it will keep other people from the promise as well. And so Joshua said, this time, we're going to march around these walls and I don't want anybody talking to anybody about anything because we are going to keep ourselves focused on the promise of God. Sometimes you've got to look at your neighbor and say, you know what, I'm not talking about that because I'm walking towards a promise. I'm not going to have this conversation right now because I'm about to see walls fall down in my life. And if you start talking to me, you're going to start bringing things into my mind that I don't need to have in my mind. Instead, I'm focused on what God said. God said we're going to take the city. God said we're going to have a blessing. God said we're going to receive the promise. God said we're going to have revival. God said we're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. God said there's going to be healing. God said it's going to happen. And so I am focused on that, and I don't have time for gossip. I don't have time for backbiting. I don't have time for somebody saying what God can and can't do. I'm just focused on the voice of God. I'm just focused on the victory. And sometimes you've just got to march and do what God told you to do and keep your mouth and sometimes you just have to nicely look at somebody because you know there's always that person. <laughs> and you know what? I just believe this isn't in the Bible but I'm just you know, I just believe there's that one guy trying to talk to everybody as they're going. And, and you know what? Sometimes you just have to look at that one person and say, hey, we're not doing this right now. We're, we're marching. Why aren't you marching? Why are you talking? We're trying to get victory here. Sometimes you just got to look at somebody and not, you don't have to be mean, but just say, hey, you know what? I'm not having this conversation right now because I'm on my way to a victory. Amen. Number two. Number two, God instructed them through Joshua, everyone said through Joshua, to shout, see we all know this part, don't we? To shout at the appointed time. When I tell you to shout, shout. Number three, after you shout, charge the city after the walls fall. Now we've all heard this preach, but I'm going to go ahead and teach it anyway. Sometimes you've got to shout before the walls fall. Sometimes you have to 
give God praise. Sometimes you have to uh, believe in victory before you see it happen. Sometimes you have to be willing to do what seems strange in order to see walls fall. And most people want to shout after the walls fall, but you better start shouting before the walls fall. Because if you never open up your mouth and shout with the voice of triumph, it's never going to fall. And you're going to stand around wondering, why can't I get a breakthrough? It's because you will not open up your mouth and shout. Now, I see this all the time, and this is a, a very simple concept. And, and it's amazing to me. You can preach it, and this is why we hear so much preaching about it. A preacher can preach it till he's blue in the face. He can spit and scream and, scry, and cry and get on his knees and everything else. And there will still be an entire group of people who will not open up their mouth in the house of God. It's amazing to me. And, and you can see it. I can be right here. I can feel it in the spirit. I can see it in the Holy Ghost. I can see people who desperately want a breakthrough. They desperately want walls to fall down, but they will not open up their mouth and cry out to Jesus. And I don't have time to get into all the doctrine, but I'm just going to tell you, there is something that happens when you open up your mouth and call on the name of Jesus. I know we're moving New Testament here, but there, there are things that will not break in your life until you open up your mouth and cry out to God. There are things that will not be torn down in your life until you learn how to shout with the voice of triumph. You cannot shout quietly. You know, I'm not a sports person. I'm not into sports ball. But, uh, but you know, every once in a while I, I, I see people who are. And, uh, and, and I can, I can sort of like some things, but I'm just going to tell you, if you ever see somebody win a victory in any kind of sports ball event, they, they get excited and they shout. And you go to the crowd, I'm going to tell you something else. Did you know that crowd will shout the entire time even if their team is losing? They don't wait till the game is over to shout. They don't wait till the final score is in to shout. They shout the whole time. And that's a carnal event that has absolutely no bearing on your spiritual well-being or your relationship with God. But you know why? It illustrates something about human nature. You cannot act victorious quietly. People don't act victorious quietly. When, when you are in the presence of God, which is a place that actually matters, where we actually ought to be invested emotionally, spiritually, and, and physically, if, if you really are, are reaching for the victory, you're not going to be able to do that quietly. You're going to shout with a voice of triumph. You're going to make a joyful noise, all ye people. And so you have to do that. And, and oftentimes I see people who never receive victory because they will not open up their mouth and shout. All right, we've all heard that preached. Number four, he said, do not take any plunder. All the gold and silver and bronze and iron belong to the treasury of the Lord. All of the valuable things belong to the treasury of the Lord. Now, this is a key point. Uh, I'm running out of time. Uh, take you to the next slide, Joshua 6 and 18. Now, here was... 
Joshua's command. Now, of course, we understand that they did all of these things. They shouted, they marched, and the walls fell down. Someone said, thank you, Lord. Praise God. And I believe the walls literally fell down flat. That means they literally came down. Uh, this is a powerful story. I don't mean to skip over that. I know that's huge, but, uh, but we all know it. And I want to take you to uh, what happened after the walls fell. And, and, and this is the thing we usually skip over because we usually stop when the walls fall. But w the walls falling are, are just the beginning. When the walls fall, you have to be willing to go in and fight the battle. So God commanded them, when the walls fall, I want you to run into the city, and I want you to take the city. Do you understand what that means? The walls fell, but then they still had to fight a battle. And we miss this point, and we miss it spiritually in our lives. God, here, This is why people can be delivered from addiction and then a month later be addicted to the same thing. Because God can deliver you. But then he expects you to go in and fight the battle. God can tear down the barrier. He can tear down the obstacle. But what we want is we want God to tear down the obstacle. And then we want to just stand back and do nothing and then let God do everything. And God says, no, you still have a personal responsibility. I delivered you from addiction. Now you have to go ahead and fight the battle. I filled you with the Holy Ghost. Now you have to walk in the spirit. Hallelujah. I forgave you of your sins. Now you have to go and sin no more. Am I in the Bible? I'll bring the walls down, but now you're going to have to go into the city and you're going to have to fight the battle for the city. You're going to have to get your sword out. You're going to have to get your spear out. This isn't just something where you stand back passively and just do nothing. No, you have to invest yourself in the battle. I did the hard part. That's what God's saying to somebody right now. I did the hard part, but now you're going to have to get up and go fight a battle. You're going to have to do some spiritual warfare. You're going to have to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand all the fiery darts of the enemy. I'll tear the wall down, but you're going to have to put the armor on and do some fight. You're going to have to get the sword of the spirit out, and you're going to have to do some battle. You're going to have to get my word out. and You're going to have to go on the offense against the devil. I'll take care of all the things that you can't handle. But now you're going to have to be willing to do what I have called you to do. And now here's where things get heavy. So Joshua uh, commanded them in Joshua 6 and 18. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Everyone said accursed thing. In other words, things set apart for destruction and also things consecrated unto the Lord. Lest ye make yourselves accursed. When you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it, sin in the camp impacts the entire camp. I'm going to bring this to the church for a moment here. Sin in the body of Christ impacts the entire body. If you have an infection in your finger, did you know an infection in your finger can kill you if you don't treat it? may not seem like a big deal. Might, you might just feel that's just a little infection. But if you let an infection get out of control, I don't care where it is on your body. It might seem like the most insignificant part of your body. But if you don't take care of it, it will destroy you. Sin is that way. When sin infiltrates the camp, when sin comes into the body, sin will bring destruction to the entire body if it's not dealt with. And so God said, listen, I've set some things apart. You need to destroy everything. 
Now, this wasn't common. In those days, when you won a battle, you kept everything for yourself. You took the city, you took everything, and God said, listen, I'm bringing these walls down, and when you get done winning this battle, I want you to burn everything in the city. I want everything, everything. Don't leave anything standing. Just destroy it. This is, this is pagan. All of this needs to be destroyed except for the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, and those things are not for you. Those things are for my house. Those belong to the treasury of the Lord. This was all going to eventually go towards the temple. And so God said, anyone who tries to keep of those treasures for themselves, they'll be accursed and they'll bring a curse to the entire nation. And anyone who refuses to destroy the things that I've set apart for destruction will also bring a curse to themselves and to the entire nation. Verse 19, but all the silver and golden vessels of brass and iron are consecrated. Everyone said consecrated consecrated set apart unto the lord they shall come into the treasury of the lord so the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city every man straight before him and they took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city and they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein only the silver and gold and the vessels of brass and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Going to the next slide, Joshua 7 and 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass. I hate to end here. We're going to end on a negative note. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan. Everyone said Achan. Achan took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. I'm going to end here, but I want to mention something briefly, and we'll pick up on it next time. Achan took of the treasure. He took spoil, and he kept it for himself. This was valuable things. This was financial things that Achan took from the treasury of the Lord. He literally, it reminds me of Malachi when uh, the prophet said, Would a man rob God, yet you've robbed him of your tithes and offerings? This is the same concept here. God had consecrated. Did you know that your tithes and your offerings are consecrated unto the Lord? In other words, they're not yours. They're set apart for God. Well, it got heavy, didn't it? We're going to end on this heavy note, but we're, gonna, we're just going to go here anyway. And so God said, all of this spoil from this victory, all of this belongs to me. I'm going to bless you, but all of this is mine. And if you take it and keep it for yourself, you're going to bring a curse your life you're literally robbing god and achan thought that he could just take take some of this plunder here and, and then he thought he could bury it in his tent and keep it just kind of underneath and god wouldn't know and nobody would ever know and he took what was consecrated unto the lord when you begin to take things that are consecrated for the lord you will bring a curse into your life you will you will lose the favor of God. On that really encouraging note, let's stand and I'll close. Everybody all right? Look at your neighbor and smile. Glory, hallelujah. That's just the where, where we got. We're gonna, but, but here's the thing, though. When you have walls fall in your life, this is the lesson to be learned. And we can learn from this lesson. We can learn from the story of Achan. You don't have to repeat that. God can tear down. How many have ever had God tear down a wall? 
How many have ever had God give you a victory? How many have ever received a breakthrough in the Lord? Here's the warning that I feel in the Holy Ghost today. If God has given you a breakthrough, walk in that breakthrough and refuse to do anything that will keep you from walking in the blessing that God has given you. This is the warning that Achan gives us. The warning is that we don't have to repeat his story. We can receive the breakthrough and we can continue to walk in that blessing without having to go through the heartache and pain that Achan went through. How many want to be consecrated unto the Lord? How many want to give God what is right for him? How many want to walk in continued strength in the Lord? Why don't we lift up our hands right now and say, Lord, I pray that you would keep us from the valley of trouble. I pray that you would keep us from the sin of Achan. I pray, Lord, that not only would you tear down walls, but that we would walk in that victory from this day forward. Lord, I'm asking you right now to break spiritual barriers in people's lives. I can feel the wrestling in the spirit right now, and I pray that you would give us spiritual breakthrough in Jesus' name. And everyone said, in Jesus' name.